everybody. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And this is episode 95 of Fried Squirms, where we're going to be talking about Death House. But we're going to get to that shit. we got a couple other things to talk about first. I think the big bad thing is we skipped last week for a very important reason. That reason being that you, Danny, weren't here because... I had the privilege and honor to get to see Claudio Simonetti's Goblin, which, you know, we've talked about previously leading up to the trip, but had a really good time, man. Found out some really cool digs in that little district I was in. Before I delve too much into Goblin, I do want to say one of the coolest things I found on the entire trip (laughs) was the Movie Madness video rental store. Oh, dude, yeah, you sent me some awesome pictures and showed me some dope shit. Yeah, so I was a little bit excited because on the walk up to a pub, actually, I passed that place and I had seen a Google, like, little blip about it, you know, because of its memorabilia and things like that. So anyway, I stopped inside and, man, it had some really cool history with some of the things it has in there. You know, I sent you the pictures, of course. Like, there was a bust of the demon from Curse of the Demon, Night of the Demon. (laughs) I was like, damn, I have to send that to Tyler. So that was really cool. Saw the props for aliens, like the xenomorph head. Dude, the fucking, the skeleton. From yeah, Wish from Master. Wishmaster. That was so dope. From Kurtzman. That was pretty awesome. Mars Attacks, one of the prop dolls. Ack, uh, ack, ack. Yeah, dude. Saw the Peter Boyle, Young Frankenstein costume. Right. Like, just regular get up. But saw that. Saw D. Wallace. Who, what was we it talking weird about seeing today? it, like, color? <laughs> yeah, somewhat. <laughs> Considering. But no, I mean, some really cool shit. Saw some stuff with Eraserhead, the ear prop right. from it, with some of David Lynch's real hair. <laughs> so stuff like that. Saw the Fight Club soap that Brad like Pitt. Like the, the Fight Club the soap. The Fight Club soap, yeah. The one that was used in all the like, promotions. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. So saw a lot of really cool shit. I think I sent you a bunch of pictures of some of the DVDs and Blu-rays they had in there. and It's just a really cool place. So if you're in Portland, if you're in the Belmont District, I think it's right off of Belmont Street. You'll run right into it. So, yeah. How close is that to the red light district? I can't confirm nor deny that it might be just 69 blocks away. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that place was really cool. And, of course, getting to see Goblin score, Suspiria. Right, yeah. So, let's hear about the Goblin part of it all. Especially because I also ended up with another interesting picture from you. Oh, yeah. I want to hear all of this right now. Okay. So, (laughs) so we have covered the original Suspiria 1977 Argentos, and then we did a little mini-review on Luca Guadagnino's 2018 Suspiria. So, you know, we've talked about the history we have with it and all that good shit, and then, you know, of course, going to the show, I was surprised first that there was that many people there, but I was thinking, I was like, well, okay, this is Portland, so, you know, a little bit more hip. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So, pretty awesome it was really cool seeing when the score comes in and then actually seeing them score it. And I was like, this is kind of a really cool thing because I don't know how many people overall will have that experience. You know, I know there's some composers that do that mm-hmm. stuff, but I was like, damn, this is pretty cool. Considering all the shit leading up to that point. And then they did like a real quick break. Not even really a break. They did like a, an ovation after mm-hmm. the film. And then they just started off with like certain scores from different films. And they still had the projector going behind them. So they would give you a little bit of the score, and then you start seeing the scenes pop up. And you're like, oh, yes, they showed, like, phenomenal. But it would just be, like, a scene or two rather than... Yeah, I mean, they'll show you, like, certain blips. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So it's just little cut scenes, but... I mean, that's still dope. It's just... Super boss, dude. that sounds like a bonus. Because you were going for Suspiria, right? Yeah, and then getting to see a second set of them scoring a bunch of films that I own, 
you know, not necessarily that we've talked about. I mean, maybe one day, but yeah, it was just really cool seeing that. And then I went up close to get some pictures of like the keyboards and synthesizers and the guitars and some of the effect pedals. So that was really cool. After that, I saw them kind of going back to the green room, but then they came right back out. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then they went into an adjacent room to do a meet and greet. And that's where I got to meet Claudio Simonetti and got a couple of things signed, the Suspiria insert, like the title card from the movie. A couple other things, man. But yeah, overall, it's just a really cool, surreal... Just kind of a... How much of like a meet and greet? Like, did you get to like bullshit with them much? Or not like? a whole lot. I mean, there was quite a few people. And I was thinking, you know, had there not been so many mm-hmm. people like being fanboys like myself, it's like I probably would have asked some questions and things like that. But it was kind of a quick encounter. Yeah. It was neat, though. So, you know, in that regard... you don't regard, want to be the person holding up everyone else. That's kind of how I feel about it. It's like, it's not, it's not really my place to do that, you mm-hmm. know. But like I said, if the circumstances were a little different, there would have been all kinds of questions I would have asked, you know. So, but regardless, I got to meet them. It was really cool. They had some really cool merchandise. So if you're in any area that they're playing in in the next couple of weeks, go check them out, dude. Because who knows how much longer you'll be able to see that kind of stuff, you know, especially with them. So I haven't even told you yet. (laughs) It's nowhere near as exciting as that. It's fucking dope, too. But I actually have something to bring to the table today. Nice, dude. Because I did something that I didn't tell you that I did. And just a couple hours ago, I went and watched Overlord. Oh, nice. Hell yeah. It's fucking dope. I highly recommend people go watch Overlord. I've heard some good things, man. It is like a really good World War II action rescue, get the operation done movie with like some good gore and then you get weird zombie experiments mixed in towards (laughs) the end. When I kept hearing it was like World War II zombie movie, it's not what I imagined in my head, but it's better than what I imagined. So, in a big way. Oh my God. The action is super intense. Compared to a lot of movies, I felt like they really made explosions and even just gunshots really fucking like matter. And they are intrusive and explosive and sort of disorienting when shit starts getting you know, popping off and shit, nice. and it's just super cool. So I would very much actually recommend going and watching it in a theater if you get the chance while it's still in theaters because, like, the big amounts of bass and shit really helps. So. Hell yeah. No, it's a fun experience seeing films like that in the theater, and, you know, I'll be looking forward to seeing it. I know, I kicked back and ate my lunch, you know, went to the dine-in oh, and all. Oh, hell yeah. So that's so sat nice. there ate some barbecue brisket mac and cheese while i watch some fucking nazi zombies get killed that sounds like a really good time oh yeah dude yeah watch overlord that's what i have to bring to the table this week nice dude yeah so you know aside from of course the portland trail which i'll be posting stuff later on but got a chance to jam out a little bit something i haven't done in a while so there's some people that we used to work with jammed out their clam out yeah something like that (laughs) with my bass out but yeah it was a lot of fun so i did that and in a weird way, I suppose. I had another little milestone in my life, but I turned 37 yesterday, so... In a row? Yeah, in a row. <laughs> yeah, at this point, it kind of feels like that. <laughs> well, damn, son. Yeah, that's right. Happy birthday. Yeah, so it's I mean, I already told... That's, yeah, that's you hit I me up, up now. I hit you up. I let you know. Yeah, happy of birthday, course. But, you know, fucking, as far as the show goes, yeah, fucking happy birthday. Yeah, dude, thank you. Everybody at home, sing Danny happy birthday. Oh, right. yeah. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I had that spring up on me too, which was really cool. 
No, man, it's been a pretty good week. You know, it was a nice week off. Got to do some things like catch up on Sabrina, which I actually finished on the flight. That's okay. I'm almost done, which I know you've done. I'm almost done with Castlevania. I am like 60 hours into Assassin's Creed now, though. I killed the fucking Minotaur last night. Nice. How was that? That was fun. <laughs> it wasn't as hard as I thought it was be, would be. That's what she said. There was a That's couple, cool. Yeah. <laughs> he hit like a motherfucker, though, so. Nice, man. Uh, that game looks cool. really boss. Yeah. yeah, you showed me some of that, so. Cool. Yeah, like I so said, outside of that, just catching up on some things. Just relaxing and, you know, watching one of my football teams do well and then the other one not so well, so, you know, we it happens. We don't need to talk about how football teams <laughs> are doing right now. <laughs> I know, dude. It's, it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. You know, it sucks as a fan, but yeah, I'm not going to let it ruin my day. My goddamn Raiders winning yesterday <laughs> might have cost them the number one draft I know. pick. It's like, what are you doing, Gruden? <laughs> it's like Arizona have this one. <laughs> yeah, just. I know it's you're okay. saying yeah. It's okay. The kicker could have just shanked it. Nobody would have. It would have been like Fuck. business as usual. <laughs> oh, wow. Nah, I understand, dude. But yeah. Like I said, it's been a pretty good week. But, you know, I do have a few other things. I mean, outside of, like, personal details right, yeah, of what, what we're going to. So, things that are... I didn't are, look up a goddamn thing. So. I looked up a few things. It's kind of cool stuff. So, we've talked about Christopher Lee. I don't know how many times. We even mentioned the fact that his film, Dracula, Prince of Darkness, was getting Blu-ray release from Scream Factory. So, it has been announced that you're getting two different versions, U.S. and U.K., that is. And the U.S. version is going to feature a new 4K scan. So if you're wanting to check that film out, it's got all kinds of neat, like, little featurettes and just kind of interviews and all the stuff you would expect from Screen Factory. So check that out. It's coming out pretty soon. Another cool thing I saw, because we're big fans of the Raimis, Ted Raimi, Sam Raimi. If it's a Raimi, we probably like them. But Severn Films, which is a really cool distributor, they're bringing the Ted Raimi starring Skinner to Blu-ray on Black Friday. So for people who like Ted Raimi, you're getting to see a really cool film. So, I mean, same thing. It's going to get some special features, interviews, like I said, behind-the-scenes featurettes and stuff like that. So, yeah, check that out if you're a fan. Severn has some really cool films in the library, by the way. So something that really, really, really tickles my fancy is one of my favorite horror films growing up, actually. Yeah is I saw a six-minute trailer for a fan-made. It's called The Party's Just Begun. It's a Night of the Demons documentary. So this is the version, because there's two different versions. There was a remake that had, like, Shannon Elizabeth and a couple other people in it from, like, I don't know, sometime in the 2000s. I can't remember. I never did watch it. But I'm really excited because the director, Kevin Tenney, and, like, Angela Kincaid, and all these other people. I've actually, like I watched that trailer. Some of the people who were in the sequels and, like, set designers and people who worked on the special effects makeup and all that shit. So you're getting, like, all these really cool interviews with people who have been in the franchise all the way through. So if you're interested, this is coming out next year. They have an Indiegogo that's going to happen on the 23rd. So by the time you hear this episode, yeah, check it out, especially if you're a fan of it. I'm a huge fan. I'm going to look into some of the perks if there are any. So Do it. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. So another thing for people like in our age demographic, maybe even some younger people, if you have children who are teenagers, maybe 8, 9, 10 years old, they might be familiar with R.L. Stein because he's saying that the Fear Street movies are still currently in the works at Fox. So for those who have heard different words, they are still in the works. Well, they did some Goosebumps movies, didn't they? Yeah, they sure did. Yeah, um, so. Jack Black's been in yeah. like the, the, the first two mm-hmm. or whatever. So. so kids know. 
Yeah, I would hope so at this point. But if not, I mean, these are good ones to jump in on board with. And the last thing I did see is because we're doing Death House, because one of the actresses in it is Felissa Rose, there's going to be an official sleepaway camp documentary. It's called Angela, and that's also in the works. And because of Felissa Rose, she's an executive producer on that project. So I know we're fans of it for various reasons. If you like the film, if you want to hear our thoughts, check out our episode on that. It was a lot of fun, dude. Yeah, so, I mean, it's oh really God, cool. That and movie so good. Ah, it's so good. When they say twist, I mean, they really mean twist in that one. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun, dude. That was a, a good summer movie. <laughs> but, yeah, outside of that, man, I mean, there's all kinds of interesting stuff. One, I hate to say it because it is bad news, but it's big news. So while we've been gone, a legend, comic oh. book legend. Yeah. I mean, yeah, superhero I had my, legend. I had my big cry about it the other night, yeah, so it I'm sucks, good dude. now. But, yeah, Stan Lee died. Yeah. And that just kind of sucks for everybody. It's not necessarily directly horror related, but Jesus Christ. I mean, he, so much stuff that he influenced so in pop culture. Is, yeah, is what's big in pop culture right now is it's ridiculous. kind of all from him. And yeah, it kind of sucks. But I mean, I mean it's not he's, five, he's had right? a weird last year too, if you've yeah. been like following him in the news and shit. And a fucking yeah, hell of a run, 95. Jesus Christ. Like, no, when you think of that, like, damn, that's a pretty good run. I mean, by any stretch. To me, he looks kind of like young when I think of him in like Mallrats. Yeah, he's like seventy-two or something like that in Mallrats. Like I know he it's, wasn't it's even wild. young then. He was an old fucking man then. Like yeah, he was old enough to be somebody's great grandpappy. <laughs> Jesus Christ! So way to go, Stanley. Yeah, exactly. Definitely will be missed. Yeah, we're all huge fans here and abroad. So you know, unfortunately, that did happen. But you know, that was something. I was like, man, you know, we talk about it on the show because. Of its influence on us, but yeah, unfortunately another legend's passed. But, you know, aside from all the news that we've shared and all personal news and anecdotes, yeah, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this film. Man, I am really going to try to hold back. We are going to get we through are. the guts and bolts really quickly so <laughs> that we can get to the rest of it. Ooh. Yeah, guts and bolts right now. Guts and bolts. If you're just coming in, this is your first time hanging out with us. Oh, yeah. This is where we give you everything about the movie except what the movie's about. For the most part, like, we don't give you any spoilers. We don't really talk about the film. We just like to give you who all went into making and starting the film. Other shit of theirs you might have seen in case you're like, ah, that name seems familiar. Here, here's something else they were in. Maybe you liked it. Maybe that's what will sell you on the movie. This movie has a lot of those. Wow. This movie has a shit ton of those. This movie is made pretty much only of those. For the most part, I would highly agree with that. I mean, you can't help it when you look at the credits. What else? We say spoiler free. Oh, we should mention, since I've started trying to remember to do that, you brought a little bit more than just a good goblin story. some friends with me. Good goblin story back from Oregon. Yeah, and brought so some good, woo, so good little greenies. 
if you're in Portland, I know I've been plugging them, but I like Portland. Portland's really cool. So I was in Portland. I went to their Canna Connection. So if you're in that area, check them out. A really Someday cool place. They will find it. Oh, man. The Canna Connection. That's <laughs> so good. Yeah, so I, I dropped in. I wanted to see what kind of you know specialties they had, and I talked to a really cool chick there, and I told her I was like, you know, I want something fruity. I want something to give me like a little bit of that heady thing going on. So she brought out some goodies for me and got to check them out. So as a part of today's show, I have blue magoo and I've got some purple Kush. Yeah, and that magoo had me fucking. Oh man. I thought I was going to have to pat your back for a moment. I a goddamn storm <laughs> a few minutes ago, and I'm definitely feeling it. Yeah, so the Magoo is a hybrid, and the Kush is an Indica. And uh, I just got the silver oh, tip again. Yeah. Just uh, the tip, baby. There was a bit where it was hard for me to get my hands on it, and then my shop had it back in. Yeah. And I was like, oh, bitches. <laughs> and I kind of indulged myself and got like a half o. So. Yeah, baby. I don't blame like, you. It's good stuff. Um, I've just been like holding it. It's tasty. Like, it's so tasty. It has a nice smell. So I'm happy with the today's selection that we have for today's show. I know. Show. It's going to get us through fucking right. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. And I was like earlier. God, I, I'm probably still stoned from... I was a little bit before you came over. I was hitting some Pineapple Express. Oh, yeah. Um, Hell, yeah. Shatter. Oh, so. <laughs> Holy shit, yeah. I wasn't doing dabs. I had it loaded in my fucking... I, I know what you mean, but damn, I still... That'll get you right. Well, yeah. speaking of which, and since we're having a little confession hour, is, uh, yeah, I've still been chomping on a little bit of cookies I've had, and phew, I'm, I'm not disappointed. I was going to make some this weekend, and then <laughs> not I Not disappointed. <laughs> yeah. So I've been feeling pretty good all day for the most part, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's what's going on behind our scenes. Oh, yeah, it is. If we get to the movie, though, we'll start off with a synopsis. I was having a hard time coming up with one. Okay. Well, and I then, I, that then I read the plot on the Wikipedia page. And I'm just going to read that. I'm okay with that. And I want people to remember that. I want them to remember what I'm about to read <laughs> All right. when we get to the next section. Okay. For Death House. During an exclusive tour... A power breakdown inside a secret prison known as the Death House sends two agents fighting through a labyrinth of horrors while being pursued by a ruthless army of roaming inmates. As they fight to escape, the agents push toward the lowest depths of the facility, where they learn a supernatural group of evil beings are their only chance for survival. Okay, that's a good way of at least getting a broad idea of what this film entails. Yep. So remember that. Yes, keep that. That's what this movie's about. Put a bookmark, put a lamp beside it. Whatever helps you remember. <laughs> now, as far as who went into this movie. All right. So leading off with this, because this is a project by Mr. B. Harrison Smith. He's known as Harrison Smith on this project. But he's directed such films as Camp Dread. He's also done Zombie Killers, Elephants, Graveyard. He has a film out called Garlic and Gunpowder. He's got some upcoming projects that are currently in pre-production. And that is The Special and Dawn of Five Evils. So he's also helped write on that because he's also a writer. So including his writing credits, we have Gunnar Hansen, which I want to put a, a marker beside that just for a moment because the other projects that Harrison Smith wrote for were The Fields, Six Degrees of Hell, Love Bites, which is actually in pre-production as well. So Gunnar Hansen, huge name if you're familiar. And we are totally familiar. Uh, yeah, I want to say this right now. Gunnar Hansen... 
is in one of my favorite movie scenes of all time. Not just horror movies. One of my favorite movie scenes of all time at the very end of Texas Chainsaw. It's iconic. Um, I know we've talked about that. We geeked about that a little bit. Right. Gunner, of course, is Leatherface. The original The original, yeah. OG right there. OG. Yeah. And he actually wrote this, you know, this project, this screenplay, I suppose, a while back. And it took a while before he got picked up. But one of his other credits that he did have as far as writing credits was he helped with a documentary. It's called Dancing at the Mill. So, you know, he was known for being a very intelligent man, a very well-spoken man. You know, just an icon, a legend in horror as well. Icelandic-born, I believe, from Reykjavik. So that was really cool. So, yeah, I mean, definitely when you think of slashers, you can't help but think of Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, that's... Jesus Christ. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah. He makes a an interesting guest appearance in this film, too, by the way, which I believe yeah. is his last official, yeah, maybe? he passed... Yeah, a couple of years before this came out. He passed 2015, unfortunately, but... Just really interesting to know that he had a hand with this project posthumously as well. So really cool. All right. I do have a cinematographer, of course, like any other film, but this is done by Matt Clammer. Now, he's worked on such projects as Birthday Stories with Lynn Hirschberg, which was a TV series, which is kind of interesting. It was uh, it's like a short, but it had certain guests, like, I mean, celebrity guests, and they would talk about, like, their favorite birthday. And they had some pretty interesting guests, like Bradley Cooper and some other people on there. Yeah, he helped with that. He's also the cinematographer on Garlic and Gunpowder. And also, Welcome to the Stranger. Our editor on this film is Colin Smith. He's also helped with the film Garlic and Gunpowder. So we can see a repetition here. (laughs) These guys like to work with each other. He also was the editor on Riding Wild, a so-called documentary. So (laughs) if you're familiar, you can help with that. So we do have an interesting name in music because this was done by John Avarisi. And when I looked at some of his credits, I was like, he's got 93 different credits. He's got some interesting ones for sure. And Interesting how? Interesting when you look at some of the titles and also when you know some of the projects because he's helped with like video game projects and okay. genre. I mean, like kind of B-grade indies, documentaries and things like that. So it's like, it's pretty interesting. I mean, he's... One right here I'm looking at is the Bill Murray stories, Life Lessons Learned from a Mythical Man. All right. Yeah. 360 Degrees of Hell. <laughs> Ghost Heads. I mean, Zombie Killers. He also helped with that Elephant's Graveyard project. Just some really cool projects. I mean, like I said, if you're familiar with more of the indie side, you've probably heard some of his scores. More along the lines of this film, per se. All right. So some of the special effects, which I thought was really cool. This was done by a team called Soda FX, which Matt Falletta was on this project he and Roy Kniram they helped with the special effects makeup we also have George Giordano he helped with the special effects props on this film and we have Joseph J Lawson he was responsible as an FX artist a supervisor and the digital compositor on this project now in the next section because honestly with those gentlemen we could spend a lot of time talking about some of the films they've worked on so we'll talk about them Mm -hmm. maybe in the next section but just keep that in mind. Some really cool names. The producers on this film were David J. Bonner and Thomas Vanover. They were the co-producers on this film. Stephen Chase, Rick Finkelstein, and Anthony Pittore. They were the producers on this film. Production companies I have were Entertainment Factory and Caracol Pictures. And Class of 85, they were in association with. Capital Alliance Productions, they were in co-production with. 
distributors. We're at Hanover House and Tricoast Worldwide. They both help with the worldwide. That's for all media on this. Release date, it had a September 2nd, 2017. It premiered at the Central Florida Film Festival. That's here in the States. And then box office, I didn't have a budget. I would imagine probably not a huge one. I'd hate to guess because I didn't. I really don't know. But opening weekend, this was for a limited release. This is as of March the 2nd of this year. May like 10.2K, and it grossed a little over 24000 or right at $24,000. Sorry, I wasn't paying enough. That's how we're stoned. You got me on that fucking Magoo, son. <laughs> yeah. I'm oh, fucking, Magoo. I'm fucking Magoo. <laughs> That's okay, man. Yeah, I was just kind of curious because when you look at the names, it's like there had to be some kind of draw there. You know what I mean? Oh, that opening weekend, it only opened in one theater, though. That's not bad, I mean, for an opening. I know this had, like... And in its widest release, it was only in seven theaters. That's still not bad, though, so... considering per screen was probably a pretty decent average. Mm-hmm. So that's not yeah. bad. Okay. I do have two taglines. Now, they're both very similar because of the wording. It's just how it's... One's a contracted version of it, and the other's not. <laughs> so that's the only difference is Give there's a the contraction. contraction. Give All me right. the contraction. So it is, hell isn't a word, it's a sentence. And then if you okay. remove those, <laughs> yeah, I think you can figure it out. So that's who I have as far as the people who helped make this film. So we got a lot of people to talk about in the cast, people who were in front of the camera. Jesus, okay. Let's so, see if we have enough time in the day to list off the amount of people in this yes. cast. Yes, all right. So we've done this before, and this will probably make it a little bit easier on ourselves too, is... There's going to be a lot of people in this particular cast that we've covered before on other films, so we can always direct it toward that because we yeah. talk about their credits That's a little bit be more a extensively. Lot yeah, so it's not because we don't recognize those films, just because we've talked about them before. All right, so I'll lead off, and like I said, first, <laughs> first huge name in this project is Kane Hodder, and he plays the character of Sieg in this film, and we've talked about him because of our episode on Jason X. He was Jason Voorhees, and he has been in, what, four or five other films? Uh, and the series, yeah. that is. I think of all the Jasons, he's been Jason the most. Yes, that is a fact. Yeah, so huge name in slashers. We've talked about him several times. Love the guy. Very intimidating figure. Uh, Very, yeah. Yeah, so super cool. It was good to see him on this project. Although the older he gets, the more recognizable he is as being him, no matter what he does. Yeah, you can't help it at this point. I mean, you know, if you've seen him once, you He's probably... already a pretty recognizable Jason. You're like, yeah. eh, I think I know who's <laughs> under that. Yeah, you guys are like, oh, yeah, it's totally out. Hell yeah. Right, another name, of course, we've talked about before because she starred in one of the very first films that we did. Actually, the very first film that the we covered. The very first film we covered. So I'm talking about Barbara Crampton because she plays the role of Dr. Karen Redmayne in this film. And you can... Red Reanimator, she was... Yeah, that. she's been in some I mean, really cool genre films, you know, here in Critters. horror. Yeah, she's been in Critters. Like I said, if you want to hear more about some of the films she's been in, check out our Reanimator episode. Don't judge us on that episode because it was our first one. All right, so another big name in this because we've covered this gentleman too is I have Bill Mosley. He plays Giger in this. And when you think of the name, as I was like, oh, <laughs> or Geiger, Giger, yeah. It's like, oh, I see what they're doing here. Mm -hmm. It's That's a total nod. But anyhow... If you want to hear more about his film credits, we have covered him as Chop Top in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. 
and also as Otis B. Driftwood in House of a Thousand Corpses, who also, <laughs> we covered Sid Hagen. Yes, we did. Uh, who is also Easy in piggyback, this. yeah. He goes by the character of Icicle Killer, and we've also talked about him in Bone Tomahawk. Oh my god. Let's see, as we keep going down this list. Dee Wallace is one I want to talk about. Okay. Because we have talked about her, and there actually have a tie back to her in a way I just talked about, actually. So, Dee Wallace plays the character of Dr. Eileen Fletcher. Now, we've talked about her in The Hills of Eyes. That's the original Wes Craven version. I know. With. (laughs) Before I do that, when I was in Portland, and I talked about being in Movie Madness, for fans of the film E.T., she was the mother in that film, now, there's a scene where it's Halloween, and she's wearing a Catwoman costume as her outfit for the night. I actually got to see that at that movie Madness Place and oh. snapped a picture and has a little plaque with it. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool because I'm going to be talking about mm-hmm. her today. So, yeah, I got to see that. Kind of a weird connection. But, yeah, I mean, think of certain, like, Stephen King films, Cujo. I think of her from that. She's been in The Howling. She's a genre actress, so I would hope you know who Dee Wallace is at this point. <laughs> All right, now, a character I do have, because we've talked about him because of the Hills of Eyes, we have Michael Berryman in this project, and he plays the character of Crowell. Now, another film I think of is he's been in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and he's a very recognizable character for very many reasons. Yeah. And we've pitched some ideas with like him as certain characters in films, too. Like He would be good in like another maybe reboot or version of the hills have eyes yeah give me more hills have eyes with more michael berryman give me more michael berryman in as long as you can keep him comfortable with him having to deal with his condition that i don't want to try to repronounce nah, the name it's of. okay but i'm pretty sure i did it pretty well on the hills have eyes episode i know you did so yeah check out that episode because we've done both we've done the og and we did the remake which was really good, too, so I like both of them. All right, another huge name we've talked about, because if you like candy, then... Ooh, the Candyman can. The Candyman can, because we have Tony Todd, and he plays the farmer Asa in this film, even though I don't think they ever say his name. I don't think they ever say his name. But we know him as the farmer. All right, so if you need to know more about his film credits, check out our Candyman episode, which is a lot of fun. Learned a lot about that film. Honestly, after going back, man, that's like way up there on my list of favorite films that we've covered, just in general. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's such a good fucking film. All right, now a couple other names I need to throw in because there are a lot, but I'll start off with Camille Keaton. She plays the character of Christy Boone in this. Now, I couldn't remember exactly where she was in this film, but when you look at her titles, she's a very familiar actress because she starred in such films as Seven Blood Stain Orchids because that was an Italian giallo film, right? But she went uncredited in that. Then she went on to do the project What Have You Done to Solange, which is another giallo. That one really got her some recognition because then she did such projects as Sex of the Witch. And probably her most famous is because she was in the original I Spit on Your Grave. And that's what I remember her from. That is a really gnarly fucking film from that time period, early 70s. It's like, fucking hell. Really good revenge film. It's had several iterations, remakes, all that good stuff. She's also been in the projects Savage Vengeance, The Butterfly Room, and she was also in a film that we need to cover. We've talked about it several times because we are fans of this gentleman, Rob Zombie. She was in The Lord of Salem. Salem. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, nice, man. All right, now... Huge name because she was a one-time wife, 
have a legendary horror director, but Adrienne Barbeau is the narrator in this film, and she was the wife at one time of John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. And when you look at some of the projects she was in, she was like, oh, no wonder. But I think she got some uh, recognition first because she was in a television series called Maud. She played the character of Carol Trainer that was back in like 1972 through 78. Then she was in The Fog, John Carpenter's, of course. She was also in Escape from New York. Probably one of the first films I remember her from is actually Swamp Thing. Love Escape from New York. Yeah, I mean, I love Russell's boss. I don't love the movie. Yeah, I know (laughs) what you mean. I think for me, possibly, there's two projects up about the name, but these might be the first times I actually, you know, remembered or recognized who she was, but. She was in the early 1982, I think it was, Creepshow film. Mm-hmm. Really good, dude. She was also in a comedy that I really like because I do like this gentleman, Rodney Dangerfield, but she was in Back to School. Oh, Back to School is great. Love that fucking movie. She was also in a horror film we've talked about briefly because of the directors, but she was in Two Evil Eyes because Romero and Argento both directed some of those segments in there. Mm. Now, she was also a voice actress in a very, very, very popular cartoon that I know both you and I watched because she voiced Selena Kyle, Catwoman, and Martha Wayne in Batman the Animated Series in the early 90s. It's like, That's damn. Dope. Yeah, I love that fucking... That particular series at that time period was so good. She was also in the Drew Carey show. She played Kim Harvey from 1999 all the way up to... Or excuse me, 98, all the way through 2004. And then a show I've kind of pimped out a little bit. She was Ruthie in the television series Carnival, which was on oh. HBO. That was such a good show. I hate that they canceled it. But she was also in the film Argo. So Argo, fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, so she was in all those. All right, now we've talked about her briefly, but Felissa Rose is in this film. She plays, go figure, Dr. Angela Freeman. Nah. And if you need to know more about Felissa, check out our Sleepaway Camp episode. Can't highly recommend that enough. God damn it, Sleepaway Camp is good. Just because of those skies out, thighs out. <laughs> and all like the pervy shit that gets said in that film. And just Oh my it's God. It's so 80s, so good. That's like Our a throwback. I call them baldies. <laughs> oh, I don't know if that will ever be scrubbed out of Jesus my mind. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Just because it's like, phew, you'll never hear that in a film again. <laughs> I love it. All right, so the next person I have, another huge name. We've talked about him before, but Tony Morin, he plays Miguel in this film. If you need to know who he is, he is... The older brother to Aaron Moran, <laughs> uh, also known as Joni from Joni Loves Chachi. It's pretty good. The uh, amazing spinoff from Happy Days. Yeah, but he was also, <laughs> when he wasn't being Nick Castle's The Shape... He was the other Michael Myers in the original Halloween. We're talking about John Carpenter. So, yeah, we talked about him briefly because of his role in that. But if you need to know more, check out our Halloween episode. That is the uh, Carpenter, 1978. Yeah. Yeah, check it out. All right. Next person I have is because we've talked about him before, but Sean Whalen does play Satan in this film. All right. We've talked about him because of our The People Under the Stairs episode. Oh, my God. The People Under the Stairs. I love that one. Another Wes Craven classic. Sean in my Whalen. eyes. Yeah, dude. Loved it. So good. Yeah. Also, we. Sh- I, I guess this is a good point to point out that... A good time to point out? A good point to point out. That we keep naming off all these names... They're all in the movie for like five minutes. So. Yes, that's a disclaimer. Like, don't expect to see a lot of... Just because I'm telling you Tony Moran's in this movie, don't yeah. expect oh. 
I was thinking that too. I was like, I have to keep in mind that they're probably not in it for very long. Yeah, the only one that's in it for a long time is Kane, Kane Hodder. Hodder. Yeah, essentially. And maybe, oh, not even and, really, but uh, Tony Todd a little bit. Crampton well, yeah. and Wallace. Crampton and Wallace, and, well, and the two people that aren't horror icons. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're going to get to them. Uh, I mean, Cody I just, Longo and... Courtney Palm. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they play the characters of Agent Toria Boone. That's for Courtney Palm and... Cody Longo. Yeah, Cody Longo, he plays Agent Jay Novak in this film. And uh, when you look, I mean, they're... And I mean, he even, is more like a television actor. Yeah. Whereas she's more of a B-grade horror film actor. Yeah, actress. I was going to say, even she has done horror. She was in Zombievers. Yeah, I mean, that's probably her most recognizable ones. I do have a couple of other credits now that I look at it. She was in the film Lost Soul. She was uncredited in a scene or two, maybe, in the film Superbad. Huge fan of that. She was also in Alice in Wonderland. That's the Tim Burton's. She went uncredited as like one of the Queen's Guard or something like that. She was also in the film Silent Night. You did mention Zombievers. She was uncredited in The Purge Anarchy. If you want to hear some of our Purge. <laughs> she was also in Everlasting and she was in The Dark Tapes. So those are some of her roles with Cody. You might have seen him in the film Fame. I don't know. I don't I watch that kind of... Yeah. I know. I saw this... Or in the Hollywood Heights TV uh-huh. series. <laughs> because when you click on his link in Wikipedia, oh, it goes right to that TV series. I bet it does. Holy shit. Yeah, I was like, I'm... Yeah, nothing against it, but I'm not huge on musicals. You know, it's not really my thing. All right, now, I saw another credit, and I was like, because of what we do, I do have to make mention of it, even though I've never seen it. So I saw that he has a film credit. It's called High School. And then I clicked on it, and I was like, oh, that kind of high. Oh, shit. Is he in a fucking stoner movie? <laughs> yeah, he sure is. So emphasis on the high. Of course he in is. High Look at school. him. Of course he's in a stoner movie. No, he has been in a genre film. He's been in Piranha 3D. He was also in The Silent Thief. He's one of those guys that's just pretty enough to keep getting work. But... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. He was also in For the Love of Money. The last movie star, and like I said, he's been in a bunch of television series. I think The Bold and the Beautiful, I think that was the one. But I was like, man, I don't watch this stuff. I don't really, you know. I mean, if you watch that, that's cool. But I don't really get down on that kind of stuff. Hey, he's not the only soap opera star. No, he's not. No, he's not. Because Lindsay Hartley's in this movie. Yes. As Balthoria. Which is really cool. So, Lindsay Hartley, you mentioned Balthoria. Put a little pin mark by that, of course. But she's been in such things. All yeah, my children, I used to watch that shit. And Days of Our Lives. Now, my sister Ashley. Back, I used to get down on some Days of Our Lives. I used to get down on and my grandma. Passions because of my sister Ashley. She liked that show because of certain characters. And there was one in particular. There was like this little dude that was in it that played like this puppet that almost like a Pinocchio style character. <laughs> anyway, I was like, damn, okay, so this is one of the few times I'll be able to talk about that show. She was also in Smallville. She was in the episode Abandoned, and she played the character of Matt Harriet that was back in 2010. She was also in Garlic and Gunpowder. Now, like yeah. I said, she's done some other television work, of course. A little small projects here and there, but some pretty cool ones. She was on Days of Our Lives after I stopped watching, though. So. Man, some of those soap operas, my grandmother, like I said, some of my sisters Dude, watched that That was stuff. the thing. I would go with my mom over yeah. to grandma's house, and she would have her soaps on, and so I'd sit there and watch soaps with mom and grandma. Victor, that's the dude yeah. that I was thinking of. Victor. If you know soap operas and you hear the name Victor. Victor. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, okay. <It's> a <laughs> Fucking... 
Stefano. <laughs> yeah, some weird shit, man. Soap operas. All right. The next person I have, because we have talked about him, because of another soap opera. I've mentioned Santa Barbara several times. Not because I wanted to. It's because there's been a lot of people been in that. But young <laughs> not because Bert- I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I never watched Santa Barbara. But it's cool that they were in the project. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just like, I never watched it. Oh, Jan Birch was in this, huh? Yeah, very briefly. But he was in this. He played the character of Staff Worker. <laughs> right? I was like, okay, well, that's another person who was in The People Under the Stairs. He's one yeah. of the Stairmasters. <laughs> and I don't mean the workout equipment. I mean, if you watch that movie and then listen to our episode, we'll talk about that a little bit more in depth. I knew I recognized his name. I couldn't remember if he was a Stairmaster He's or one of the if Skid he was Row a fucking startup uh, band. I knew that the last time I saw him, he was fucked up in some way, and I couldn't remember if he was a Stairmaster or if he so was a night breeder. <laughs> I mean, that I could see that too with him, for sure. All right, so the next person I do have, because of several movies, but Richard Spate Jr. plays the character of Bennett in this movie. He's in it briefly. He's one of like these lab coat people with Felissa Rose, oh, that dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I can never remember his name. Okay. So I'd like to go back in credits, and I'll start with one of the very first ones, even though I didn't know who he was then. But we've talked about Ernest, and because he was in Ernest Goes to Camp, which was one of those films growing up for whatever reasons is like, I love that film. I look back on it now, it's like, it's not bad, but. So I had a weird obsession with that movie when I was a kid. Anyway, he was in that. He was also in a few episodes of Freddy's Nightmares. That was back in 1989. He was also in the film Demonic Toys, which that distributor for that, really cool. They also helped with a lot of the Puppet Master films and Bloodstone and shit like that. Full Moon, really cool, man. That goes uh, way back for me. Should we point out the big thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been in Independence Day. He was in the television series Band of Brothers, if you ever watched that. Or we're still not to the big one. Supernatural yeah, has Loki. a giant fucking <laughs> following, and he is the Archangel Gabriel. That Yeah, dude. He plays a lot of really cool characters in that. Mm-hmm. Multiple. But, yeah, he's been in that from 2007 yeah. all the way through more recently. So several episodes span across. Well, it's a, yeah. And if you watch the show, it's a while before you learn he's Gabriel. But he shows up a few times, and he's just the trickster. And that's what I've seen him as. Yeah. I've seen the trickster episodes, and they're fucking dope. So. Yeah, he's a really good actor. He's also been in Thank You for Smoking. He was in Open Water 2, Adrift. And uh, like I said, we talked briefly about HBO's Band of Brothers. Didn't last very long, but he was in it for the 2001 season. So the next actress I have on this is Gabrielle Stone. She is in it for like four seconds. I do have to mention her because she is the daughter of Dee Wallace. Mm. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But she plays the character of Lynn's Haddon. She was in the films Speak No Evil. You might have seen her in Zombie Killers, Elephant's Graveyard. She was also in the film Stray and a film entitled It Happened Again Last Night. I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to get off to some uh, some other big names. Sheet sneezed again? <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> now, we have a really big name because of a particular distribution company with some really, really interesting cult B-grades. I love the films. But Lloyd Kaufman is in this film. He plays Dr. Chalice. Now, he is the founder of Troma Studios. Oh, shit. Damn. Okay. Yeah, so when you say Troma, I already think of Toxie. Oh, I'm fuck. Thinking I of always like think class of Toxie. Nukem High. I'm thinking of Tromeo and Juliet. I think of Toxie if you don't say Troma. Sergeant Kabuki, man. <laughs> shit like that. Just all kinds of just off the wall, just really fun 
you know, just bowl of popcorn, get stoned, laugh your nuts off, over the top gore and shit like that. Yeah, so I go way back with that too. Like I was, coincidentally enough, I was watching an episode of American Gladiators Mm -hmm. from 1992 and I was thinking, man, that's back when like Up All Night was coming on on the USA Network with Rhonda Shear and that was a time I was catching a bunch of these films, like late 80s, early 90s. So Lloyd Kaufman, man, huge name. I know we'll talk about him again sometime. All right, a couple other people I have in this. I have Vernon Wells. He plays the character of Neela in this. Now, he's done such works in films as The Road Warrior, otherwise known as Mad Max Part Two. <laughs> he was in the film Weird Science, another one of those films I grew up. Love that fucking movie. You might have seen him in Commando. He was also in the film Inner Space. These are all 80s films. He was also in the film Space Truckers. I dig Space Truckers. I've, I've watched that a couple times. There's a lot of people who are listening who might have either seen or heard him because he played the character of Rancic in Power Rangers Time Force. That was from 2001. There was like another iteration of Power Rangers. I can't remember the exact series title, but he had another part in that. And he was also in the genre film King of the Ants. It's about a serial killer. It's kind of cool. All right, so the next person I have is oh. R.A. Mihailov. He plays a prison leader and this gentleman's really cool. He was a professional wrestler. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I always like when this guy shows up. Mihailov's a, just a great fucking little character actor that shows up whenever they need a really tough-looking biker guy. Yeah, exactly. So some of those, <laughs> since you're bringing that up, is we've talked about these guys. We haven't... Oh, but he has a big tie-in why he's probably in this movie. Okay, cool. Because of, yeah, I didn't think about yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I'll bring that up for sure, mm-hmm. but I look back on one of his earlier credits, because we've talked about these guys, we haven't talked about them in depth, but he was in one of the Corey's movies, I'm talking about Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, but he was in the film License to Drive, which uh, I'm guilty of watching several times, it's not a bad film, it's 80s film. No, you're talking about the tie-in, it is because he was in Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 as Leatherface. Yeah, dude. He was also in the film Eddie Presley. He was in Pumpkinhead Part 2, Blood Wings. He was also in the film Hatchet Part 2, which those are some pretty fun films. He's also in Krampus, The Devil Returns, and another slasher film called Slasher.com. So those are some of those genre films he's been in. The next person I have is I have Vincent Ward. He plays the character of Thiel in this movie. Now, he's been in such projects as the film Traffic. You might have recognized him in the series The Wire. He was also in the film Ocean's Eleven. He was in Everybody Hates Chris. That was from 2006 through 2008. More recently, people might recognize him because he played the character of Oscar in The Walking Dead. That was from 2012. And he's also in the movie Bringing Down the House, if you like Steve Martin and Queen Latifah, which is a pretty good comedy. It's not bad. Another person I have in this film, this is an actress. This is Debbie Rushon. She plays the character of Leather Lace. <laughs> I was like, really? All right, now here's some really cool shit she's been in. We've talked about this guy. He's one of our favorites on the show. But if you're a fan of Nick Cage, she went uncredited in the film Vampire's Kiss. Which has some wow. of the most over the top <laughs> Nick Cage. Oh, I'm a vampire. I'm <laughs> oh my a vampire. God. I just like, oh man, this is so great. Now, another reason is because she is a B actress of sorts. Like, she's a well known B actress because of her work in some of these trauma films. But mm-hmm. she was in Tromeo and Juliet. You might have seen her in Terra Firmer. 
She was also in Citizen yeah. Toxie, The Toxic Avenger Part 4. She was in the film Poultrygeist. I never saw Part 4. I don't think I did either. I think I've seen up to the first three. I don't know if I've seen three. I've seen the first two. I've definitely seen at least the first three, yeah, for sure. Might have to go through some Toxie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, she was in Poultrygeist, Night of the Chicken Dead. She was in the Theater Bazaar. You might have seen her in Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1. Now, there was an actress who was in Terrifier that we talked about mm-hmm. that was in those. So you'll oh. get to see both of these yeah. actresses now, which is really cool. Okay, so the next actress I wanted to bring up, now that she's in it for very long, <laughs> if at all, but we do have Brink Stevens. She plays head staffer in this film. Now, I started looking at like her projects. She's another one of those B actresses from the genre, right? And when you start looking at her projects, she has been in like over 190-something-odd projects. But most of them are kind of like softcore parodies of horror film titles. And she's been in, I mean, such things as Hot Tub Party Massacre. <laughs> she was Slave Girls from Beyond Infinity. Yeah, I mean, when you start looking at like the early credits and stuff like that, I mean, she was in Bad one of the Emmanuel Part oh. 4. Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of watching some of that. Sorority Babes in the Slime Bowl, Bolarama, <laughs> Nightmare Sisters, like it, Scream Queen, Hot Tub Party. Can you imagine that? Teenage Exorcist, Roots of Evil. So from like the 80s all the way up through the 2000s, if you like kind of like direct-to-video, just kind of cheesy, you know you're going to get some scenery. He's going to chew a lot of the scenery. <laughs> yeah, she's just known as being one of those B actresses. So that was pretty cool that she's in this film. Another person I do have in this is Eric Aude. He plays Randy the Rapist. <laughs> I was like, wow, Jesus. One of my favorite parts of the movie. (laughs) That is crazy, man. All right, so this dude, he was in Dude, Where's My Car? Dude, he was a meathead, like one of the meatheads in this. He was also in the film Van Wilder, so he started off in two, like, really great comedy, like, almost stoner comedies in a way. He was also arrested and imprisoned in Pakistan for alleged drug trafficking. Wow, so he's a mule. He's a drug mule. (laughs) Uh, He maintains he was duped into carrying the opium. I wrote down that he was in Sons of Anarchy in 2014. I'm not sure how many episodes he was in, but that was kind of cool. I would guess one. (laughs) Now, here's something we've talked about. We've talked about the ABCs of death because he was in the segment D is for dogfight. Like oh, that's pretty cool. He's also like a stunt man, so he does a lot of stunts and shit like that as well. One person that I saw that didn't get really like if you look at the wiki page, didn't get a credit, but Danny Trejo was in this for like oh, yeah. just real briefly. But you know, we've talked about Danny Trejo. I mean, think about From Dust Till Dawn. I think about the film Badass. I mean, he's just, if you need a real bad loco chico, <laughs> if you, need, you know, if you, if you need Danny, hey. man, I love Danny. I mean, we've also talked about... If you don't know who Danny Trejo is, you can get the fuck out Devil's of here. Devil's Rejects and shit like yeah. that, man. Come on, bro. So he's no stranger to the genre. It was cool to see him, man. I was like, oh, shit, there's another dude. <laughs> so it was really cool. Now, there's a lot of other people scattered throughout that, like I said, we're in it briefly. I don't mean to skip over them, but literally, we'd be here all day talking about the We've film already credits. been here a long-ass time, and we're not even listing off everything all these people have no. been in. So if you're, from, if you're wanting to know more about who is in this film, I'd say check out... If they've been in a horror movie, yeah. they're probably in this movie. Check out the database. That's the database. Unless their name is Robert England, their na- they're probably in this movie. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. And maybe, like, you know, like I said, just a handful of other people, but for the most part, you're right. Jesus. <laughs> So anyhow, that's who I have for the cast and crew. We gave you a brief synopsis. We do have to give you some warnings about this film. 
nudity, gore, violence, language, language, all all the usual, some Mm. supernatural stuff, some supernatural stuff, implied satanic stuff. Yep. There's not a whole lot of gore, but there's like two or three scenes where it's pretty pretty decent. Good. So yeah, I give it that. Um, There's also two or three scenes where it's really fucking bad too. So (laughs) well, I mean, this without saying too much, we we know we'll talk about it. (laughs) We'll talk about it. Yeah, but it's there. And like I said, there are there's a couple times where it's really good. So if like intense gore gets you, like you might have to squirm away. But that's but it's not it's not too bad. Yeah, it'll be over before it can get you too. You won't even know it's in. Uh, should we just get to this? I'm ready. All right, let's squeal. God, what's happening to me? God, where am I? Why am I hearing these things? Oh, God, what, what's going on? Oh, Jesus, come on. Oh, my God, what's what's going on? Where, where am I? Oh, gee, why? Why? Come on, somebody, somebody. Ah, come on, come on, come on. Come on, somebody. Sir. Sir, you must come listen on, to me. Sir, I only have one question. How does that make you squeal? Ah, uh, yeah. So we squealing. This is our 95th episode, and we are talking about Death House, a film that we've mentioned several times leading up to this episode. And we were excited because of all the names that were attached to this project. I kept seeing it as the Expendables of Horror. Yeah, and when there's you hear a reason like that, why I avoided describing it like that for the synopsis. I completely understand why, because that's misleading in a lot of ways. In one respect, yes, you do get like who's who in horror, right? Can't help but notice. <laughs> we just talked about them. But in terms of what you get out of them, that's a whole different beast and animal within itself. You know what, Danny? I woke up this morning, and I watched two movies pretty much in a row. One of them was good. It wasn't this one. (laughs) I can't wait to hear what the good one was. Oh, and then the other one was Overlord. I already talked about that. Overlord's fucking dope. This movie was not. Yeah, You listeners, I mean, you listeners, you realize what... I hope you realize what I had to do by sitting through this movie two times. Okay, so... (laughs) Since we're talking about this, all right. We got to it, Danny. We did. Before episode 100, we got to it. We did. We sure did. And I'm glad that we did. All right. Now, as much as we're probably going to slice this guy up, I am going to defend it for a couple of reasons that I thought were kind of neat. You know what I mean? Not that this, I'm not saying this is a great film because I'd be lying to you, but it has its merits. It really does. I think it's got some interesting little nuggets throughout that, you know, we'll eventually get to. With that being said, this might be one of the kind of crappier films that we've done. This is, for me, hands down, I can't recommend this to anyone else. Like, all right. The only, wait, <laughs> I, I'm going to throw in a caveat on that. All right, all right. The only reason I would is because it's all these people together. Yeah, for sure. That's the only reason. Okay. All right, all right. I would recommend this to people who like these styles of film, who like... I mean, I'm not knocking the, the films, it's just because it has a certain feel to it. It has a feel like if you like Sharknado, or if you like... This is some of the B-grade, C-grade style horror that goes mostly direct-to-video, you're going to have a good time with this because it it doesn't take itself too serious, but at times it's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> See, I... 
For me, you know, I like a lot of bad movies. Yeah. And for me, this one just wasn't fun enough. I know what you're saying. I, I know what you mean, dude. I really wanted it to be. Yeah. Before I even watched it, I was sitting around Saturday, and while I was being like, fuck, I gotta level up a little bit more so I can fight the Minotaur, I was also <laughs> like, fuck, like, I have a feeling, like, I really want to like this movie, but I know that it has not been getting the best of reviews. Like, oh, man. And, and so I was, like, prepping myself to be able to defend this movie, yeah, and mean. then I watched it. And then it's like, ooh, man, it's gonna be hard to do. But you know what? I'm okay. I will take that rain today. I'm not saying that this is a great film because it's not. I'm not saying that it's particularly a good film because that's arguable. I don't think it's as bad as it's made out to be. I am glad that this movie exists because of what it is. I will say that. I think it's really neat that you got all these people together in one place. That's cool. If it actually would have been The Expendables of Horror, yeah, that yeah, also yeah. would have been cool. That's what I'm saying. That's totally misleading because when I hear that, if I'm it thinking, would have actually been Cabin in the Woods, which it kind of felt like it was trying to be a little, a little bit, bit. A little bit. That would have been cool. If it was, it was actually little, it was the simulation it, yeah. from Jason X, that yeah. also would have been cool. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> so because of that, because of all that stuff, the director himself was explicit with the fact that this film was like chock full of Easter eggs because of who are in this project, you know, and he wanted to definitely make a genre film. He did want to make one where that's why I'm kind of curious about the budget a little bit, because it doesn't look like there was a huge amount of money that was thrown at this project. And I think it suffered a little bit because of that. But getting back to the director, it's like I knew what he was trying to do and when you have a name like Gunnar Hansen who wrote the project, and it takes a while to get off the floor, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of oversight. <laughs> like, you know, we didn't help make the project, but I can imagine some of the shit that happened in the you process. Want, you want know a movie also would have been cool if they would have made a movie that actually was very explicitly that wiki plot that I pointed out. Uh, well, yeah, that's what I say. <laughs> Definitely put a lamp or put a you know a little sticky note by that because that is so misleading, man. When you I, read that, it's like. Oh, shit, that sounds fucking dope. That sounds great. That sounds fucking... That's not what we get, necessarily. I mean, that's like a very broad stroke that it's painting that picture with. <laughs> that, yeah. The being pursued by bands of roving that's inmates that's like, is a that, very broad stroke. Dude, that's a stretch, like, both metaphorically and literally. I don't know if they ever truly learned that yeah. the supernatural beings were their chance for survival. They just suddenly decided Stumbled to go there. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> It's like, uh, I mean, it was why? a lot we of still cliche. don't know why they're the- <laughs> it's a lot of cliche going on. All right, so okay, let's start getting into this movie yeah, a little let's, bit more. All right, so the beginning because we've seen this happen. You get these weird cold opens, like you don't really know what the hell's going on. And that starts with Tony Todd and this chick that's in the, out in the middle of the desert. And you're like, what the fuck is going on with this? Oh, by the, you better believe I have two pages of notes on this goddamn movie. Okay, too. so one of the first things I wrote down was, and this is a quote, is, who prays for Satan, the original sinner. I was like, all right, interesting. That Okay, so you're getting a little bit of the Lucifer, Satan, biblical kind of shit. Well, yeah, you think about that quote for, let's, I mean, not yeah. like think about it. In but like, I know what you mean, uh, like keep that in let's context. Let's keep that in mind for a minute, because something might bug me about this movie And there's a number of quotes that are thrown out there like that. Oh, I know what you're saying. Okay, so you still don't kind of understand what's going on. He, like, has some kind of weird black goop he's getting from a spigot. Yeah, okay. First note, what the fuck's with the oil? Yeah, and I'm thinking... 
That never comes back. I think that that has some kind of significance. In a, it has to. It's like it can't just be an X Files reference. That's the black tar, or black oil. It's like it's not that. All right. Also, what is that? His dialogue's not specific enough. No, it's not to indicate. It's very vague. Is the farm that death house facility? Because we yeah. find out later, there's more death houses. So is the farm that death house, or is he not taking her to that death house? Is he taking her somewhere else? Well, what I'm thinking is, is because we know there are victims and there are prisoners in that scenario, she wasn't a victim. She was more or less, which we'll get into later on, kind of a spoiler, but she's oh, a part she of that was whole being... thing. Yeah. Oh. He, he, he makes mention of, like, nipping the bud, because right. if you don't catch it, it'll... So what I'm thinking, that's kind of a metaphor or like he's telling her in this cryptic way that if she starts remembering too much, it's going to affect other things that's going on in this project, which we'll learn much later on. Believe me. Yeah. And that's what I'm thinking. It's like they're nipping them early enough to where they really don't know what's going on. They're still confused. I was like, what the fuck? Did he just pull out cancer? Yeah. That was weird, wasn't it? It's like, I'm still trying to figure that out, too. Like, I, I was thinking maybe there's a tumor or something. I'm not trying to figure it out. I just don't know what the fuck there, Yeah. <laughs> uh, how much do you want to dissect this film? That's really the true question here. But through some of the weird dialogue and just some of the shit that you get, I'm thinking that's kind of like, you know, they're throwing another supernatural element at you there. They're trying to get you something, you know, cling on to something. That's about as far as I can say with that. All right. So we get the next sequence with her. It looks like our main actress. Right. With some Nazi regalia on. There was a lot of weird Nazi stuff in this movie. There was. They were making a lot of overtures at the Operation Paperclip mm-hmm. at the end of World War II. And they give you a little bit of, you know, some dialogue of when the prison was built and who it was inferred, like, built by or instituted by. Yeah, so there's a lot of Nazi shit going on in here. Yeah, and that scene doesn't really make sense till later. It still doesn't make a lot of sense, but... <laughs> <laughs> There's not a lot that does make sense in this film. I mean, like I'm going to try to defend she it. She kills the family. She does. At the direction of Sieg. She's obviously in the pro... One of my notes is, can you call it foreshadowing when the entire first, like, 20 minutes of this movie yeah. spells out the fucking twist that's coming? Yeah, Like, I mean, they shove it they in do. your face, like, four times and that's. Least. Does it even count as foreshadowing then? Or are they just telling it's, it's you still what's a pl- happening? Yeah, I mean, they're like, all right, all right. We know this is a jumbled mess of a film, but we have to give you something to like, okay, at least they fucking did that cliche or like that trope. At least they put that much effort into it. That's the only thing I could think. But I mean, it does. She's kind of obviously in the system, though. Yeah. Especially once you start seeing it officially like six minutes later. Yeah. Where they're transporting Kane Hodder, and he gives her a little bit of that, I'll fuck you in hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By the way, of the first ten minutes of this movie, mm-hmm. like a full two minutes is spent just watching people walk. It really is. Uh, there for, is a lot of walking. I will forgive the cold open, because like you had the credits going over it, and it was kind of like, you know, that's kind of what let you do with cold open sometimes. Yeah, I don't it's like cool. that. Reminded me of like a tiny dragging the body. At the beginning yeah, of uh, Devil's for sure. Rejects. For sure. I will completely forgive that. However, when she first walks into the facility, there's like 10 seconds of just following her going down the hallway. <laughs> Close up. Until she meets the black agent. I can't remember his name. Oh. The big guy that yeah. sort of introduces I'm, her to the facility. Victor, I think his name is. Yeah. yeah. And then, 
when he takes her to meet the doctor, I think to meet Barbara Crampton. They first meet Dee Wallace, and she, I think that's Fletcher. Yeah, right. she plays Dr. Fletcher. But the whatever room that then the other agent, the Duke, Cody Longo, comes in. Yeah, yeah. The walk to that room is 49 seconds long. Jesus. Of just following them walking down a hallway. Yeah. And cutting back and forth. And all they're doing is going to a fucking... That's a good point. I wonder, too, if that's like a device he's using to try to give you like, all right, we want you to think that this is I think it's a device big. to get this fucking movie's runtime. <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, man, this... All right. <laughs> good point. Point well taken. All right. So you get a, lot, a bunch of dialogue. You get like some ideas, some context of what's going on. And the first act of this movie is purely exposition. It really is exposition. It gives you everything you need to know about why they're there, what's going on with these prisoners, what's going on in this program that they have. I like that. I think the program and the stuff they're doing is interesting because it gets a little bit of, gives you something to chew on a little bit. In the middle of this, we start getting, yeah, kind of what's going on with the program and stuff. It never truly makes a lot of sense. Because the first thing that they bring up is that they're implying that they're taking these killers and wiping them and reintegrating them into society. Right, exactly. But that's never something that's shown. No. And all of their subjects seem to just be there only to be studied. So why even bring that up in the first place? It could be a bit of misdirection. Like, we really have this really sinister thing that we're kind of admitting but we're going to gloss it with, like, we're trying to rehabilitate them. No, you're not. <laughs> you got no intention of doing that. Yeah, so I think that's all that is. It's just putting icing on some shit. And they go through all that with the leather lace part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did write that the leather lace footage that was, was the second best part of this movie. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're going to get some decent gore in this because, I mean, they at least show you, like, her song that dude. And up. they, like, embraced the fucking, like, homemade look yep. and were able to, like, hide shit in there. But it looked... I don't mean that in a bad way, though. No, no. Like, it all looked fucking dope. It looked good. I mean, I, I would be parts interested of this movie, part of it looks bad just because a lot of this movie looks like it's trying to be way too crisp. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. Yeah, that's one of the few times and really the only time that you get to see Gunnar Hansen in that way. Which I thought was a mm-hmm. kind of, you know, a cool nod, a good homage to him and all that good stuff. So, yeah, that was a really cool scene. But... <sighs> Part of that scene includes the doctor pointing out textbook case, really. <laughs> this is <laughs> So one of my problems I have with this movie is it seems like a lot of these scenes mm-hmm. have lines that people are saying because, and I don't know whether to blame Gunnar Hansen or Harrison Smith oh, for this. Oh, I would imagine Smith. I would imagine but Smith. it seems like Smith has just, it felt like he's watched a lot of horror movies but on a very surface level I know what you're and saying. has seen people put into these situations <laughs> and know what they say in these situations, but doesn't understand why they're saying them. Yeah. He's kind of lost on the expo. So like you have that scene when they're talking about leather lace and you get textbook case really, but it's not in conjunction with anything else they were no. saying. And so it's not clear if she means that, it was a textbook case of them being able to reprogram the killer because that hasn't happened yet. And so that's an outright lie directly to his face. <laughs> yeah. Or if it's a textbook case of a psycho killer, because I would argue Leatherlace also isn't a textbook case of any kind uh, no. of hero. It's special because of how weird and fucked what up it is. What textbook are you reading from? 
I'm kind of curious in that text book. However, that's the exact kind of thing that gets said in those kind of scenes in horror movies. Just in other horror movies, there's a reason they're saying it. Yeah, at least like so you have something to latch on to because it's like it's logical. All right, same so. with the weird girl power. Oh man, god damn it! I was like, there were all right, I, all right. I understand why they did it. Did they need to do it? No. no. No, it's like we get it. Like you didn't have to do that. I mean, it's cool if you like it. Whatever, no big deal. But I'm just like, mm, you didn't really have to do that. I'm for girl power. That's what I'm saying. I'm it's not like, for, all for it, dude. that wooden acting like, drone in. No one's gonna do that no in that one, situation. Get no, the fuck out of here. <laughs> you ain't gonna get a lab coat. Do that. Get out of here. Not, not that only situation. that, but if lab coat does, turns to do that, you would just be like. What the fuck are you doing? What Nobody that? does that. Get out of here. Is this a new thing that you're trying? Okay. <laughs> I, know, right? I don't think this is going to catch on. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Now, there is some significance because we do talk about the fact that there's a lot of Easter eggs in this. And through some of the exposition, we do have to mention that. We, oh, because we're about to get up to the five evils, huh? Well, not only that, but there's nine levels like Dante's Inferno. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, Edgelord. Yeah, right. That houses the ninth level, that is. That's the very bottom, of course. It's a mile into the earth. It does house the five evils. And I like how they do at least give you an idea of who the fuck these five evils are. By the way, I want to point out there's some really neat ideas in this movie. The five evils is a great idea that should be explored by Panos Cosmatos and not these motherfuckers. Jesus Christ, dude. That would be fucking epic. Fucking the three Satans is an amazing idea. Dude. I liked how they were playing with that. I mean, I, of course, they were being like esoteric with the numbers or what have you. But yeah, I think there are some really cool little things you can piggyback off of in this film for sure. That's jumping ahead a little bit, but but no, yeah, both I do like that. Are great ideas that need to be used by somebody else. <laughs> no arguments here. All right. Yeah. So the five evils, and I do have them listed. And the first person they show you is Hyrus Giger. He was the head of the resurrection program for Hitler, and that was played by Bill Mosley. Obviously, the name is a nod to H.R. <laughs> Geiger. Yeah. And I would say the character is a nod to Josef Mengele. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, and then you had Balthoria. Elizabeth Bathory. Elizabeth Bathory, yeah. I mean, come on. Direct nod, which is cool, you know. Here's one that I had, and I wasn't sure if maybe you were, if you picked up on anything by it, but I was kind of curious. The next person I have was Alexei Nila. He was the Russian cannibal. He had like uh, 700 deaths. Andre. Is yeah. that who you were going with? I did have that written down. Andre yeah. Chekatilo. Yeah, yeah. the, like, the Rostov wonder, Butcher. I was like, I wonder if that's who they're referencing there. That's the only person that jumped it. to mind. I was yeah. like, as soon as they said like Russian and children, I, yeah, was, like, I, was, too. I was like, well, that's the Rostov Butcher. It has to be. And then both the names started with A. Mm-hmm. And I think the year... On his yeah. little yeah, file, yeah. the years line up for years that he would That's have been why active. there's a couple of things that kind of like, oh, they're being kind of clever with this. Okay, right. Craw. Craw, okay. <laughs> that was Michael Berryman's character. He was responsible for, like, bioweapon stuff, and he had that claw. All right. Now, it was stated that he got captured in South America in 1984, I think it was. 19 something. Uh, yeah, 83, 84. Blanca? I, well, yeah. <laughs> From the Street that's Fighter movie. That's funny. Oh, my God. I didn't think about that, but I like that. I was thinking more like, all right, now these films actually came out after that year, but I wonder if they're like trying to re- refer back to like maybe Predator with the claw, which oh. maybe because of the jungle shit. 
and or maybe Commando or something like that. But I don't okay. know how much. I mean, they both have Arnold in it, but right. And um, it does take place both of them in South America. That's the only thing I could think of. But for his character, that's kind of a. Let us know. <laughs> let us know what you think. Well, and he has one line, and he seemed like he was a robot. Yeah, I mean, when you think bioweapon, he has a claw, something going on there. Yeah. Okay, Thile. Thile. All right. He was into the satanic arts, and he was also into crucifixions and, like, hanging people upside down. And he also looked like he could have been, like, an early album cover from fucking Ghostface Killer or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, his was, like... Uh, I was trying to try to get, a, like, a feel of what they were trying to do. Maybe tie it back into, like, just the evil aspect. Satan. All that shit. So, yeah, I don't know. His was... Meh, eh. Eh, it was all right, I suppose. I didn't get anything out of it. But those are your five evils that they're referring to. And they're kept down in the pits of this death house. Down, down, and goblin down. We wonder why, which we'll get to in a little bit. So, one of the things I liked, which I was like, oh, there he is. There's Sid Haig. Why? Wait, sorry. Why? I was going about to get to that. Okay. Why did they grant his request? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of weird. There's a mention by Agent Novak, played by Cody, and he mentions that there's video glitches because they have, you know, those goggles on and they're mm -hmm. viewing all that shit. And it's of the icicle killer, and we're talking about Sid Haig here, and it's kind of a, it's one of those scenes I was like, I wonder a little bit if they're talking about, because of the green screen like shit, they're out in a, like a field. Mm -hmm. It's like, I wonder if they're trying to be like Zodiac killer. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, that's probably a reach. It's just said, hey, he's icicle killer. And he mentions Cody's brother getting the blame. It's like, what was that? So, yeah, that scene seemed to give you more intimate that yeah. Cody was blamed for one of the icicle killers. And he pinned it on his brother or something, maybe. Well, I think the killer killed his brother and it was blamed on him. Mm. Huh. Which is maybe why he was put into the program in the first place, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting. But that never really goes anywhere. The only part that goes anywhere is his sort of warning. And he doesn't even really warn him. It's He tells him to free them. Yeah. Trejo tells him that, too. Like, well, well, Oh, wait, yeah. Yeah, she guns him down because we learned that her mother was, looks like, raped, perhaps, and murdered. And she gets to carry out the revenge on Danny Trejo. And that's the last thing he says to her is save them. And you're like, save who? We learn who. <laughs> so, yeah. One of the next things that I have after that icicle thing Wait, with... Wait, uh, why did they grant his request? Because Sid was the one that requested... Oh, yeah, for him to be there. Like, he knew he was going to be there. Why the fuck would they listen to him? Whew. Experiment. They're wanting to know. Research. Who knows? I mean, we find out there's more clandestine stuff going on here than right. meets the eye. You understand what I'm saying. I know exactly like... what you're saying. Yeah, why? Uh, all right, so yeah, you get this weird glitch out. And then you have this naked shower scene with and the I was, agents. I was also curious, they didn't make it very clear at what point people were seeing what on that virtual tour. Could she see that scene with I was, him and Sid? I mean, she brings up the fact that, you know, he waxed dude. He saw his dude's fucking neck off in Afghanistan or where the hell he was at. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think they both could see what each other did, I guess, in order to get to that position they were in. That's the only thing I can make sense of it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's not a very... I mean, it kind of is a thinking man's movie, like overthinking man's movie. 
<laughs> but I mean, it, it's a nice thing to think about because, you know, trying to make sense of this film. <laughs> the tattoo thing never pays off. It doesn't at all. I think the only thing it's trying to establish is the fact that they can't remember why they have those tattoos, the meanings behind it, and why they can't remember. Once again, does it count as foreshadowing? No, if it it's doesn't. Being spelled it's just, out to you. That's what I'm saying. It's just they're putting things there as like placeholders, like a save point, in case you forgot what the hell was going on in this film. In case you forgot, they're being played. Yeah, exactly. They're just bleeding. which is probably supposed to be a twist, but we're not Ooh, playing it as a twist. No, I mean they're being pretty blatant about it. Yeah, so you get that, right? They can't recall shit. They can't remember anything. Next thing you get is Fletcher, D. Wallace. She leads them into the room where you have a dude from Ernest goes to camp. <laughs> you get, we didn't talk about her, but Elsie from the Hills. I never really oh, watched right. that show. But she and Felissa Rose, like the lab coats, they're talking about what is going on with the people in that room. They're all kind of like drugged out, zombified, whatever. They do make mention that the prisoners and the victims in these scenarios get what they call milk of amnesia. Somebody was really proud of that joke. They were. <laughs> Magnesia, amnesia. We're going to um, do it. Right before that happened is when we have the Nazi kid. Oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Implanting the, the MP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was like, who the fuck is that kid? And that led me to the note that, especially the couple other times that we end up cutting back to them throughout the movie, those are the worst doctors that obviously <laughs> do not know what the fuck they're doing. They're just jacking off. <laughs> the next scene, they're depending on the person's fucking clothing to hold him together rather than, you know, them do anything. I mean, that was like almost straight out of trauma when <laughs> you think about it. <laughs> oh my God, what is this? How the fuck is this? They are the worst doctors. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was kind of a ragtime. I will say this: I give it. Here's my way defending it. D. Wall was it? D, it may have been Barbara Crampton. They talk. They were talking about the budget. Like, there's how many billions of dollars wrapped in it, but they only have so much annually, and they forget things or just don't even think about certain things. That could be one of those things. I just man, I feel like if you're trying to make this movie, this is the movie. Even if it's you know it's not going to do all that well, that it's only going to be shown on you know at most seven screens at one time. Yeah, yeah. If you're trying to make this movie right, this is the movie where you call in all of your chits. You and think? I feel like they didn't do that. No, no, no. no Somebody no. wanted to hold a couple you know back for something good, later man. in their career. Yeah. And this is the one where to do this right, they needed to lay it all on the line and be like. Look, dude, I helped you out. I need you to come do this for me at like half price or something. Like, yeah, I know. This saying. is when you call in all the favors that you've accumulated, and sure. I don't think they did. That's what I said. There was like something lacking, and it'd be interesting to know how much. I have my ideas about why this project isn't as great as it could have been, like should have been, honestly. But aside from that, like I said, there are some cool things. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, there's some things mm-hmm. I like about it, but. Yeah, I talked about the amnesia thing. What they're doing with these people they're bringing in is they're recreating scenarios from the killers. Like, they want to know what was going on, I guess, from the killer's perspective. So they set all these things up. The scents, the environment. They use this gas to create these illusions. Yeah, so that kind of gives you a little bit of expo of what the whole fucking thing is going on in that way, that sinister way. And we find out there's some shit that didn't go too right because we hear about the nine that we run into a little bit later on, which I thought was... It's like, oh, that was actually a pretty decent point in this film, too. Yeah. I want to 
Yeah, well, we'll two. get to that. I want to talk about that. Yeah, but, but the uh, whole purpose, it sounds like, of this is they want to create the largest criminal database for killers mm-hmm. by recreating these scenarios, see what makes them tick, all that other stuff. Oh, and so, they're trying to eliminate evil. Yes, they want to eradicate evil. That's the end goal, yes, through these experiments. It bugged me that they could virtually recreate everything except for the victims. I know, right? <laughs> they couldn't do that. It's like, no, we need... Well, the, the dude's like, well, they were going to be killed anyway. We just gave them their 15 minutes. If they last that long. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, you know, they're just... They're being cliche. Is how I felt about that. All right, so the next thing we get to learn about are the three Satans. And I, I like that. I thought that, that was really cool. Three Satans was a cool scene. Once again, this movie is a lot of jumble of ideas sort of haphazardly thrown together, yeah, but this is sure. one of the better ideas. Yeah, like I said, there are some pretty cool things I liked about. This is definitely one of them. So with the three Satans, what you get are... I wish the scene meant more. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Like, ugh, all right. <laughs> all right, so one man believes he's the creator of Satan. One man thinks he's the son of Satan, and one man thinks he is Satan. And they're all three there, whether it's through chance or luck or maybe not. Maybe there's a purpose behind this or a reason. The doctor said, and this is coming from Barbara Crampton's character, she said that they used the 1960s CIA handbook. So that's another textbook, handbook. Mm-hmm. Right? And that was what they were trying to do is try to cancel each other's delusions out by putting them in the same room. That didn't work. All right? One of the guys kind of slips up a little bit, but some of the shit he tells, boom. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was the uh, son of Paul. Satan. Yeah, so the son of Satan says... It's not what you take with you, it's what you leave behind. And this is where the tagline comes in play. He tells her, hell isn't the word, it's a sentence. And then he gets shocked and tased and all that other shit. And they're trying to, they're giving her like warnings. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're keeping him in check. So you get a little bit of that. So And you find out he needs his masks to do his shit, which. Yeah, you're thinking. Talk oh, about sh- running out of fucking budget. <sighs> that, all right, that payoff fucking pissed me off. <laughs> It's like, this is fucking stupid. That was bad. Don't know. (laughs) Don't Don't talk about masks and then you bring this bullshit to the party. (laughs) The fuck? All right. So, yeah, that that lead up sucked dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was really bad. That was bullshit. A little bit after that, I wrote that at this point, 45 minutes into the movie is what should have been happening from like the 20 minute point yeah, of the for movie real. on. Because that's when prisoners are actually out and about and start rushing around and doing shit. I know, you're like, fucking finally. So the EMP that that kid planted, it finally goes off because Lloyd Kaufman and his ragtag group of dummies set it off, the EMP, and it knocks power out to the entire facility. And they didn't have enough foresight. To like, oh, what happens if there was an inside attack? We're just worried about the outside. Whew, okay, good job, military. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus. I, yeah. No, anyway, but like... Yeah, that's where it sends shit off into a, kind of a cool shit spiral. Shit going off is cool. Yeah. Like them actually having to run away from shit, that's cool. I like that. Even if some of it leads to a little bit more nonsensicalness a little bit later on. <laughs> well, but... yeah, you definitely have that. <laughs> But at least it gives you that sense of like this urgency or yeah. just a beat, a good beat. Adds urgency. We're finally into like this moving along yeah. instead of just getting like, oh, the first 45 minutes of this movie Expo. is exposition. Expo. <laughs> yeah. The Montreal Expos. <laughs> so what did the crowd of people see when Kane Hodder's stomach healed up? Oh, yeah. That's a good point. 
Yeah, so at first I was like, oh, damn, he got whacked. That surprised me. I was like, oh, my God. Look at They've me. been setting him up as the big bad guy. What the shit's going on? Yeah, and then he gets whacked, and you're like, what the fuck was that? And then the dude that comes out, you're like, okay, okay, he's kind of an older, you know. That was fucking R.A. Miloff or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I'm down, whatever. Like, if, all right, cool. If we're replacing Kane Hodder, then I'm down with R.A. I'm okay with that. Like, like, that's this. believable. He looks like a prison mm-hmm. leader, you know. Anyway, but no, <laughs> it's not what you get. Your boy has supernatural healing abilities. Right. Well, Voorhees. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, yeah, I, I know what they were doing there. But it's like, okay, well, okay. And then he rips his throat out or like chops his throat. Oh, no, no, no. It was uh, the worst case ever. I've got your nose. He grabs him <laughs> by the nose and rips the front of his face off. Jesus Christ. It's really hard to tell, though, because that scene is super dark. A lot of scenes in this film are super dark. <laughs> now, because they were super dark, there is a reason why. It's not because of, well, some of it's because of poor lighting, of course, but they were actually shooting this in a real prison. I thought it was really cool. Hey, a lot of the sets looked really good. Like, that was not one of the things that was lacking in this movie. I want to put a a pin mark by that. Most of it was filmed in a prison. Some of it was filmed in California, all right, and in the desert scenes. So anyway, keep that in mind. But you're right. Like, there's a lot of fucking dark scenes, and there's a lot that you can kind of lose because of that, and it loses some of its luster. And you can see some really bad green screen CG going on because yeah. of that. I was like, oh, there it is. That looks bad. All right. So what I get from this kind of moving on is eventually because of that power out and because Novak and Boone and you get Dr. Fletcher, they're trapped in the elevator. And they finally get out. You have the raper who was wanting to butt plug your boy. Like yeah. really bad. Like he really, really wanted to fuck and Novak. Like that was really bad. That kind of a fun fight. <laughs> To be honest, like yeah. the punching and throwing back and forth. <laughs> that was, it was a little it was good bit of choreography. Some, yeah. Good choreography, a little bit of actual tension. I didn't know if the dude was going to get raped or not. I was kind of pulling for the guard. I, I mean, was a the little bit guy. pulling. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of wanted Cody Longo <laughs> to get raped a little bit. It's like this would have really, like, that would have been the twist in the film for me. Like, oh, they actually let the main character get both fucked. <laughs> but instead, we didn't get that. Another piece of something. So, okay. He crawled up there because yes. they were stuck oh, geez, between I know floors. What you're say. God damn it. Yeah, that right? shit's they're, ridiculous. They're in an elevator, right? They're stuck between floors and they get the door open and he gets up and out, right? So part of it's still low yes. and part of it's still high in an elevator shaft. Yeah. With the door that's supposed <laughs> to line up nice and tight when you walk through it, right? Yeah, exactly. So when he kicks the rapist down there, then Agent What's Her Face. Boone, yeah kicks the rapist and out the, the door yeah like exactly like it's not sealed completely around the wall but it's not sealed or the shaft <laughs> yeah no it's, it's not like she kicks them out it down <laughs> like down into the shaft but that's not how that works <laughs> no if you've ever been on an elevator and you've seen what it looks like from the actual shaft no you can't do that you shouldn't be able to do that no that's not how that works <laughs> not how any of this works yeah i did make at least a mental note of that it's like that's what the fuck was that (laughs) where did he how did he go anywhere he should have just been kicked against the side of the shaft they broke the fourth wall and kicked him out of fucking frame oh my gosh yeah that's some goofy shit but after that little yeah that little shit is they run into the nine that i was talking about they go into this like quarantine thing and i was like oh man that's just a walk-in cooler or a freezer that they just went into Oh, that was kind of bad. Now, that being said, we've talked about it a couple times. 
The nine is my favorite part of this movie. The nine were fucking nine dope. Fucking killer. The practical makeup and effects that were used for that were really fucking good. It give, made me really curious about that part of the film. Give me more of the nine. Yeah. Less of people getting kicked down elevator shafts. <laughs> what the fuck? All right. So the nine, they were apparently, was it like a mash of something that happened with victims and prisoners? They, they never really fully mentioned outside of just... That little brief expo you get? Yeah. Other, yeah. That's it. All I gathered from that is they were like, they were cannibalistic. They were some kind of weird mutation. And outside of that, it's like the rest is just kind of the imagination plan. But one thing they did say, which I kind of liked, is they let it be known that they no longer wish to be free. Yeah. And then they get the screech. Yeah. Which I don't have to repeat, but yeah, it's a good one. Fucking... All of that was so cool. It's like, damn, Love that, is, that. That's even creepier. That has the potential to be like really terrifying and horrifying, but it didn't really have that payoff. And then they didn't really even like the one sort of started crawling towards them a little bit, yeah. but not enough. And they, and they the were just like, nope, it. fuck this. We're yeah, out. fuck this. We're out. Yeah, the, the, enough times passed. <laughs> Those dudes have passed this. All right. So then from there, what I get is. They're escaping, and then they finally make it to where the evil five are at. They make it all the way no, down. No, okay. Well, no, we got to talk one of the other bullshit okay. first. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Bullshit, bullshit. The cooler room, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. With the victims. And the scientists, and she gets shot and all that. The fuck was all that? What's the point of the prisoners and Kane Hodder even going in there? They go in. And he throws the two other scientists that they caught to the ground. Right. And they're going to hook them up. And, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Right? And they're going to string them up for some purpose. But we don't know why yet. He sounds like he has a purpose. Because he says, all in the name of science. And then he tells the one, like, oh, yeah, you're not going to do, you know, get any drugs. You're going to do through this clean. You know, we don't have whatever. Hooks them. That was one of the parts that looked really bad, by the way. Oh, yeah. They really didn't hook them that well. Well, I know what they were trying to do. <laughs> they were trying to give a nod. And it after the, I think it was after the guards that got it. It was like, oh, they're trying to do Hellraiser shit with those hooks. Right. Well, no. You know, that that part yeah, was that's Hellraiser what I was shit. It, yeah. yeah. But... but in the cooler with the mob and stuff. Oh, and yeah. they're going to kill the yeah, scientists. Yeah, yeah. And they're I mean, like, exactly. okay, whatever. All in the name of science. No, you don't get any drugs. They're going to raise them up. Then they start hearing the noise. <laughs> da, shoot. She drops. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, so should we grab her or whatever yeah. and add her to it? And he's like, no, we don't have time. I know. And fucks off. It's like, we're just going to go here and fuck off for a minute. And then we got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> we got to fuck we were, off. We were about to do an elaborate ceremony. And then we like, killed the an extra doctor. So suddenly, nope, no time. We got to no, fuck off. We're off schedule, boys. We're, we're off schedule. <laughs> <laughs> we came here for one thing we fucked that up let's go yeah that's it's weird man it's like well they were hanging on to these corpses that were maybe frozen in animation or suspended in animation who knows but then yeah i was like oh there she's slipping oh really what the fuck that's how d wallace gets it damn that's bullshit <laughs> barbara crampton is a little bit better at least she kind of gives that scream queen kind of thing going mm -hmm. on which was cool that was kind of a cool nod but what the fuck? And then there was some really some bullshit before they make it to the Evil Five. It's like... Oh, thank you. This uh, last action hero horseshit. So they discussed the layout of this place pretty ex <laughs> extensively when we first got in, in the first 40 minutes of exposition. And so what we see in that action beat is them 
drop down the elevator shaft. Wow. Guns firing. Supposedly at the rioting inmates. That's what we're meant to believe, right? (laughs) They're on level four. They're dropping down to level nine. Which we have to remind ourselves that this goes down a mile deep. Level nine is a mile deep. There's only nine levels spread across a mile. And they're dropping and just unloading. I don't know, man. They didn't hit a goddamn thing. They were mostly fine. Oh, by the way, let's talk again about how elevators work. (laughs) They're firing at the sides. Not even where the doors no, would be. No, what the fuck, man? Yeah, that was like that was not well thought out at all. Like, you know what would be cool is if we just like drop their asses down. That this movie's taking long. A mile walk is a long fucking time in movie time. <laughs> we're just gonna drop them down the shaft, and we're gonna do it like fucking bonkers. It was like some weird action beat that you're like, what the fuck is going on with this film? And then they play that heavy metal track, which was dope. But I was like, this is fucking nuts. This movie is going off the rails right now. And plus, it's like there's no way they're landing that, let no. alone holding on to the fucking cable. No. Without their hands getting shredded. And they also didn't hit a goddamn thing. So, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> Where was that? <laughs> I mean, I'm glad it was in there. It was entertaining as shit. Gave us something to talk about, but what the fuck was that? <laughs> My very last note, and then I was fucking over it. I couldn't even, I couldn't do it <laughs> yeah. anymore. Yeah. But my last note was uh, God the Great and Terrible. And then I had to cross it out and write in Oz. Yeah, what the fuck, dude? Oz the Great and Terrible. I laughed really hard. <laughs> yeah. Man, Jesus Christ. All right. That so, being said, Bill Mosley and Sid Haig probably gave the best performances of this movie. They were really good. The I thought... worst part is that they both were only on screen for about 40 seconds. Yeah, and they static doing nothing but talking at the camera that's all it was but i mean yeah they did their part which kane hodder i thought did really well it's like his dialogue was really well he does he's pretty solid man his for the approach, most of the movie i thought he was pretty good yeah. i thought he was a little bit silly during that end sequence but for sure for, for sure that <laughs> yeah, was fucking bonkers too all right i thought barbara crampton did well in her role okay yeah i thought she was pretty good d wallace she's always good um, wasn't the, great. The young kid was good. I thought they did a good job, actually. Yeah, no, no, both of them for the role they were playing, they gave it their all, and uh, I, I liked them. I did. I thought they were good. He reminded me a lot of um, the guy that played the agent assigned to Hellboy in the first El- Hellboy, Rupert Evans. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually had to look up to see if it wasn't Rupert Evans. That's funny. <laughs> now the kid does a good job, man. Cody Longo. Yeah, mm-hmm. it'd be neat to see him in some other genre <coughs> style films, you know. But yeah, he does a good job. She does a really good job. From what I understand is that she does like a lot of roles with like agents, FBI agents, special agents and shit. Now, I did a little research and she's a very bright woman. She's mm-hmm. got her PhD, I think, or at least her master's in like this behavioral psychology. Oh, no. Yeah, so it, what she says is it gives her insight into playing these style of detectives and agents and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, yeah, she kind of portrayed it in this film. She did a good job of doing that. I thought that was kind of cool. I like the ideas that were in this film. Like, we talked about them. The Evil Five was really dope. I even kind of like some of the ideas, what they were trying to do in this film. Was, you know, they're trying to get rid of evil, but not really. It's this weird, a sinister, maybe dystopian society mm-hmm. for these people where evil and really good don't exist. It's just nothingness. And Bill Mosley mentions that, you know, that is what hell is. Hell is nothingness. It's like, okay, at least they're giving you that. That much, right? I was kind of interested because the five evil, it sounds like there might be more than just 
five years because this is not the only death house. If this isn't the only death house, then what's housed in level nine and that's, the other death Yeah, that's houses? what I'm kind of curious about. Like other dimensions of hell or is that you know a metaphor? and do those other evils hold different philosophies yeah, yeah that's kind of interesting right so it's like there's a little bit more to it than that and well i will say this all right because we're basically at the end of the film i mean the agents get free the evil five has something to do with that of course we find out that the agents were actually programmed they were actually it seems like prisoners slaves whatever mm-hmm. and they were going through the program and they've reached these certain levels i guess for them for understanding I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they were granting them certain things, but they are also playing them the whole time as well. Uh, it, well, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Dark would, City with the implanting of memories and shit like that. It would make more sense if they were implanting them and training them with the killers and then sending them out into the world. Yeah. But that didn't seem to be what was happening. Everything we saw was happening Very controlled. in the program. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm thinking. Maybe they got out, like, in the very beginning of the film. She got out, but she was so far removed from what was really, like, reality. Mm-hmm. And the farmer just so happened to catch her and nip her and bring her back into the program. That's the only thing I can really think of. Yeah. To try to make that make any fucking sense. Like I said, there's a reason why a lot of people don't really like this film. And I can understand, but... When you do kind of like what we do, we kind of analyze a little bit more. It's like, well, there's certain things I can say like, okay, the ideas were cool. There were certain little plot devices they used were cool. The nods were cool. It's not a great film. But it's like it's probably the, one of the worst films we've done. But I still got something out of it. Do you know what movie makes more sense than this? Jason fucking X. Oh, my God. I was like, this is really... But Jason X like blows this out of the fucking water. It really does. It's like... That film actually is not bad when you know, more I think about it. Jason X is really not that bad. It's really fun. Yeah. It's like, no, I was like, man, as much shit as it gets, it's like, it's not really, I mean, yeah, it's Listen. not good, but it's fucking fun. Because of the cast alone, I have to add the caveat that there is a chance that I will tell somebody in my life to watch this movie yeah, at some point. Yeah. But, but you have to know what we hit like. it before episode 100, the yeah. movie that I finally didn't like. Uh, yeah. I will, all right. I'm a little bit on the fence. It's like, how many times will I rewatch this? Probably not very many, if at all. But I was still surprised by what I got out of it, man. It's like, it's not a total shit oh. fest. There's a lot worse out there. Also, speaking of running out of budget, fuck the Five Evils costumes. Oh, that sucked, dicks. That was ridiculous. <laughs> that was some Power Rangers shit. I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> All right, since we're kind of mentioning this a little bit, I have to give a shout-out because I did watch their YouTube video. I didn't know who these guys were. I just saw that they actually did, like, a documentary-style kind of thing. They were on location, on set, at okay. that prison. So there's these three dudes that go by the Dorkening. Oh, and so okay. they were on set and got to interview, yeah. you know, Kane Hodder and Cody Longo and Courtney Palm and, all kind of, you know, interesting people. So hearing... The actors and hearing the people who worked on this project, and they even talked to like one of the costume designers and all that shit. It was kind of cool. And when I hear insight like that, it's like, well, they were having fun. Like they all said they had a good time. Oh, I hope they did. Yeah, they said it was a blast. I wish they could have given me some of that. <laughs> well, that's what I'm getting. As like the final edited version or whatever, the final end product, what you get isn't always indicative of what went into the project. And that's why I can be a little bit more forgiving because it's like, yeah, I guess they tried, <laughs> you know. But the, the main thing was like it wasn't – for them, it wasn't a total bad experience. Like they yeah. all had a good time. I'm sure they got really good friendships out of it. And 
they had some really cool ideas. They filmed in that location, hey, which let me play around for a day on that yeah, nine set, like, and I'm I'm good to go. If you like you said, if you had the right people with the right vision, right funding, and shit like that. This has potential to be like a really fucking killer film. Like it really does. The frame is there for it. It just and the ideas are there. That's why I was so excited to watch it. it. Yeah, and with that being said, too, is that there is the works of like a I don't know if it's a sequel or a prequel or requel, whatever you have. But there is, you know, I had it written down because I think the same guy is on it. So, you know, don't have your high hopes up. But there is the dawn. Of five evils which is in pre-production which is like that's no coincidence it's called that so we'll see what happens maybe they give you a little bit more insight of who these five evils are holy if there's more like we were talking about who knows maybe it goes way 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 back for dawn yeah of the five evils we'll see maybe Perhaps if it happens. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to give my hopes This one was already up. hard enough to happen, from what I understand. I, so. I did have some hopes for this one because of, like we said, we talked about the names. We kind of anticipated this one too a little bit. We kind of pumped ourselves up for mm-hmm. it, but it's still kind of interesting. Like, for I'm those... glad we covered it for the show. Yeah, likewise. it got me to ask some questions I didn't think I would have to ask about a movie, but <laughs> likewise. So I don't know. The only other thing I have to add to this. It's because it was filmed in Pennsylvania. It was filmed in parts in Philadelphia. I guess that's where Smith is from. Okay. All right. So the location they filmed at was called Holmesburg Prison. It's no longer in existence. I mean, it still exists, but it's no longer functioning. So it was built in 1896. It lasted all the way through 1995, right? It was known because it was a controversial site for decades-long dermatological, pharmaceutical, biochemical weapons research on the prisoners. There were riots... Some of the wardens, I think one of the wardens got killed. One of them got stabbed in a prison Jesus. riot. This was like back in the 70s and mm-hmm. 80s. And it just became like a fucking crazy place. <laughs> you know, it's like they had certain intentions. I think even, I think it was Truman. President Truman was like, this place is here because we have reasons for it to be here. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's kind of fucked up. But anyhow, yeah, it was a notorious prison, especially for people who were in that area. I mentioned soda pictures uh, because they helped with the special effects on oh, this right and one of them was matt Folletta, and the other one actually was marcus coke and i don't know how extensively he worked on the project i know he's a part of soda but marcus coke for those who are familiar because we have mentioned unearthed films he helped with 100 tears which is a unearthed film he also helped with the american guinea pig so he's known for like doing extreme gore and special effects makeup and shit so I was like, cool, there's Marcus Cook. Nice. The other guys, like I wanted to mention Greg Giordano, he helped with the props on this. So he's done prop works for some really cool films. He was like, he did stuff actually for the video game Fallout. So a lot of like, I think it's a Big cool. Sister, I think it's called, hmm. and like some other crafts and shit. But he said he and another guy, Kneerum, they worked together on some trauma films. And they actually helped with the first one. The second one and the third one, they all help with the special effects on that. So they, for them, that was kind of like a special time period where they were experimenting and getting work with practical effects. And they worked on Class of Newcomb High. I mean, he's done some really cool projects. So I thought that was a really cool name. I mentioned, oh, it was Roy Kinnearum. And he did visual effects for such films as The Abyss, Darkman, Tremors, Sky High, just some really cool shit, like some pretty big projects. Not only did they get some big names in terms of their cast, but actually for special effects as well, because they've worked on some really cool projects. So it was kind of a, a little bit of an all-star cast 
on that front too. too. Yeah, and there was another guy who was interviewed. This guy's name is Jay Green, and he helped with the the stunt work and choreography in this film. And he actually did some stuff with like Guardians of the Galaxy and some other really cool films. So you know, that's another person who's worked on some pretty cool projects. Nice. Yeah, so, you know, it's like, it's an interesting film in that regard. They actually had, I guess, enough star power to pull these names. So, kudos to him for getting these people on board. You know, unfortunately, it's not what it could have been, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, if you're interested, don't have too much expectations going into this film. That's, I mean, I have to, that's It's not the expendables of horror. No matter what somebody might tell you. We've kind of talked about that, like... I want to see Jason and Freddy and Chucky and Ghostface and all these other slashers in one film fucking people up. That's the expense of horror. <laughs> this is not what. This is just the names. Yeah. It's just the people behind the masks. Let's see. Going into next week. Do we? Are we going to do Housewife? I'm not sure. You and I have talked about it. Should we just make the call? I'm okay with it. Let's I'm fine it. with it, dude. Because I was going to say that that was the other one that we were thinking of doing this week instead of. That's another one. one, Guess a little bit of spoiler. It hasn't gotten high marks. No. Either. But I'm okay Um, with that. But I know less about it going into it, too. So Likewise. So we're. It sounds like John Evernall, who we've covered with Baskin, we're going to try to tackle Housewife. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, Um, I'm down. We eventually dug Baskin. Uh, I've pointed out a few times. If you listen to our episode, I'm not sold on it, but it's grown on me. So. Stick around to next week so you can hear us talk about Housewife. And in the meantime, please hit subscribe on any of the ways that you might be listening to us right now. Or head over to our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Links up on the top for other ways to listen to us. Streaming the latest episode down at the bottom. In between links to our Instagram, the uh, Facebook, and the Twitter account. And you can always contact us through our website or email us, squirmcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. Suggestions, hopes, dreams. All that recommendations. Yeah, let us know how we're doing. If you like what we're doing, if there's things we can improve on or enhance, let us know. Either way. Just want to tell us to do Season of the Witch again. Yeah, if if there's another style of film that has a Season of the Witch in its style, tell us about it. (laughs) We're down. (laughs) It's not like we haven't done it before. It's fun to get recommendations because we found some good ones, man. We've we've got some good ones, and we got some ones, at least from my end, where... Kind of changed mine a little bit about the film. And we're counting down 100, and we're going to try to make it special. Yeah, because so getting closer all of our closer. listeners are special. We love you guys. So special. I'm special. You're special. We're special. You're you special. Do you know what else is special? Fried squirms. Out. out.